Warning, this podcast contains spoilers, but you shouldn't care. Welcome to Hey James, Watch This, a celebration of mediocrity. In this, and indeed every episode, Russ and Fry will try to convince their friend James why he should watch an absolutely unnecessary film. Hey James, Watch This. Hi everybody, welcome to Hey James, Watch This. I am James. I'm Russ. And I'm Fry. And I didn't want to watch that movie last time, so what are we doing, boys? <laughs> treasure! <laughs> oh, it's a treasure hunt this week on Hey James, Watch This. And Ooh. so, this week's Untitled.Text, where our standings are... Man, my voice... What is wrong with my voice? I sound, sound like right. I just gargled a hedgehog, man. I mean, it's, it is Saturday. Uh. Well, our standings are Fry, 74, James, 77. Mm. And this week's untitled.txt questions all revolve around movies with treasure hunts. Oh, oh my. Okay. Yes. Man, these categories are getting more and more fun. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm <laughs> giddy about crap like this. I, I like it when it's real specific because that yeah. gives us. A better chance of guessing, even if we haven't seen the movie. Yes. It's also just a fun way to link together movies you might not have thought of in the same breath before. That's true. So away we go. The three principal actors are the only ones who speak actual English in this movie. Everyone else is dubbed. Dubbed in from what language? Usually Italian or Spanish. Oh. Indiana Jones and the Holy Grail? No. Oh, okay. 1966. Oh, Lawrence of Don Quixote or something, is it? No and no. Okay. That's probably too late for Lawrence of Arabia, wasn't it? Oh, the Maltese Falcon? No, that's 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 way too late for the Maltese Falcon. Yeah, that's later. Well, Fry, historical movies are your area, so... (laughs) Just say that anytime you don't know the answer. It's like, well, this is your area, Fry. (laughs) This is your area, Fry. You got this one right, Fry. Yeah, I, I honestly, I'm not sure. I feel like it... I feel like I'm going to kick myself when I don't get it, but I'm not sure. You I will, know. boys, because that is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, yeah. That's a that was tr- a treasure guess, hunt. Okay, all right. I guess I can see that. Amrish Puri shaved his head for the role of Molaram in this movie. This created such an impression that he kept the look and became one of India's most popular film villains. Molaram? Molaram. Mola Ram, was this a was this an, a movie made in India? No. Okay. Directed by Steven Spielberg. Oh, Kalima. Is... Kalima. Oh, 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 that guy. Yeah, this. Uh, that's uh, uh, Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones and the the, and the Temple, Temple of Doom. Doom. Yeah. I think Fry got that one. Well, who the hell am I going to give a point to? You both get a point. That was <laughs> no. A... I think Fry got that because I couldn't think. of I mean, the You word said doom. Temple of, and I said Temple that was of a doom. that was I a think... terrifying group effort. You're both getting a point. Okay. If I were you, I would re- remove a point from both of our scores for doing that. <laughs> if the moment they learn to work together, you're finished. <laughs> British metal band Bring Me the Horizon got their band name from the last line in this film. Bring Me That Horizon. 2003. Yeah. Hmm. That's not Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, no. is it? Okay. I didn't think so. Directed by uh, Gore Verbinski. Oh. Don't remember who that is. Um, <laughs> I don't feel like I've ever heard this line spoken. I, I, I haven't heard of the band, but I have heard the line spoken, and, and this is going to drive me nuts. Oh, this wasn't that Master and Commander movie, no, was it? No, 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 no. Okay. Treasure. Didn't, 
Treasure, yeah. Oh, that's right. That was about boring people on ships getting killed. Is it is it one of the the Pirates of the Caribbean movies? It is. Pirates oh. of the Caribbean 3. No. Ah, crap. Well, Fry. <laughs> 2003, we'd only be at uh, two, I think. Now, what Pirates am I supposed to do with this? It's the first one. It's the first okay, Pirates well, of the then, Caribbean. Then I'm giving it to Fry. <laughs> oh, jeez. That was uh, a goddamn tragedy, that was. We are really mm. messing up your questions this time. I didn't, I didn't know he directed the Pirates movies. That's interesting. Because Robin Williams ad-libbed so many of his lines, the script was rejected for a Best Adapted Screenplay Academy Award nomination. Jumanji? No. Oh, that's... good guess, no. Not a treasure hunt, I don't think. Not a treasure hunt. But good good guess, though. I feel like Robin Williams probably did that in all of the movies he was in. <laughs> You're not yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah. And but I mean, when you've got someone like Robin Williams, you, you want him doing that. Like... Yeah, it's going to be funnier than whatever you wrote on that paper. Light them up, boys. I'm going to try to find some way to argue that uh, Goodwill Hunting is a treasure hunting movie. (laughs) No. There's no, like, kind of spin on any of these. It's like these are treasure movies. Okay, okay. Oh, wasn't Robin Williams in in a version of Treasure Island? Uh, No. This movie has a big cave filled with treasure. What year was it? Goonies? 1992 was the year on this one, and Robin Williams was not in the Goonies. I thought yeah, maybe he was, he was like in there in a way I didn't recognize him. Like he <laughs> played one sloth. of the rocks in the cave. Oh, 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 oh! This is uh, I know what this is. This is um, it's the South Park episode where Cartman. <laughs> no, it's not the South Park episode. South Park was 1997. No, this, this, yeah, yeah, I know what this is. This is um, it was it was called Treasure Island, right? Boys, the that's Aladdin. Oh, oh yeah. There was that. some treasure in Aladdin. There, there was a bit of a cave with that. <laughs> it has a small point. It's a small point in the movie. Yes. According to many references, no cameras are allowed in the National Archives due to the flash affecting the documents. However, you can purchase this movie in the National Archives gift shop. National treasure. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> God, I hated that movie so much. Really? Oh, you're missing out. That's a fun movie. No, I, I no, I saw it and I hated it. I'm not missing out, Fry. You're I missing out on the enjoyment you me. could have had if you just chose not to hate it. That's not how preference works. <laughs> it is. <laughs> just choose to like it, and you'll enjoy it. There's nothing better than telling someone they're wrong for not enjoying something. It's <laughs> yeah, the best feeling in the God. world. I didn't like that. Yes, you did. No, I'm, no, I'm not saying... I'm, I'm saying you could live a better life if you just chose to like that movie. <laughs> I think I'm going to choose to light your house on fire later. All right, let's move on. This movie took 10 years to make, having had the longest production cycle of any movie in Disney's post-Renaissance era. After it went through production hell, the production mainly started after the release of Hercules in 1997. This movie was not released until 2002. Was, is okay, this animated or live action? Animated. Pocahontas? No. No, that's definitely no. before Hercules. I mean, I'm not exactly a Disney expert. <laughs> a legendary bomb as well. This bombed fabulously at the box office and for quite a long time was uh, Disney's biggest uh, money loser. Oh. Hmm. I think it's been recently supplanted, but... Okay, Titan A.E. was Don Bluth, right? Yep. Not Titan A.E., but that same, you're, you're pinging around the area. 
That area, yeah. Oh yeah, this is that one Lewis and Clark? Nope. It's that one where they they make a deal with the mermaids? What am I thinking? I think I've got a whole bunch of movies in Wow. Boys, that was Treasure Planet. (laughs) Oh, that's the one I was trying to fucking think of. Yeah, okay. Oh man, these are fun. When rocks are falling from the cave ceiling, one particular actor screams, Holy S H I T. He said this because his mother made him promise not to use any bad language in this movie. Goonies, right? That's the Goonies. Yeah. (laughs) This production had the official support of the Moroccan army, and the cast members had kidnapping insurance taken out on them. A fact Stephen Summers disclosed to the cast only after they had finished shooting. (laughs) Lawrence of Arabia? Uh, no, 1999, set in Egypt, filmed in Morocco. Oh, The Mummy. The Mummy. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, nice. Wait, so someone bought kidnapping insurance for Brendan Fraser and didn't tell him. Bingo. That's, uh, that's crazy. I feel like I want my job to warn me ahead of time, like, hey, (laughs) we're sending you to a place where we had to buy you kidnapping insurance. There is because a very I might have... high likelihood you will end up black bagged in a van. Yeah, yeah I, would, Crow, I would like to argue. Russell Crowe once described acting as a job that pays well, but they treat you like shit, which sounds accurate. Hey, at least they got the insurance. <laughs> Walter Houston, father of director John Houston, won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for this movie. John won for Best Director for this movie. This was the first ever father-son win at the Academy Awards. You've got to give us something else, dude. We don't know about inside baseball. I don't know who any of these people man. are. Yeah, you don't. On, yeah, oh my God, you don't know who Walter and John Houston are. John, the Houston, name sounds familiar, of... but I couldn't tell you what movies. They okay, made. how about another one? I'll give you another clue. This is 1948. Upon seeing the depth of Walter Houston's performance, Humphrey Bogart famously said, "One okay. Houston oh, is." Was it? Casablanca? No. One Houston is bad enough. Two are murder. Hmm. Treasure is in the title. Oh, 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 that sounds really familiar. I just want to start saying treasure and then a different word. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it, the joke answer is Treasure Island because can you imagine Humphrey Bogart? <laughs> yes. yes, I But no, can. it's not that. Um, treasure time. Treasure time. <laughs> treasure time. Yeah, it was a children's movie. Listen here, kids. <laughs> Your first two words in the title are The Treasure. The Treasure Hunter? Very well, well I, I, I'm getting blank stares. That is The yeah. Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Oh, of course. Uh, I've, the I've never Madre. seen that. I have never seen that, but I had heard of the title. Is that even a real many, place? Many, many years ago. Yes, the Sierra Madre is a real place, you asshole. Sounds made up for the Well, movies. your final question. George Clooney. Upon reading the script did not immediately understand his character. So he sent the script to his Uncle Jack, a tobacco farmer who lived in Kentucky, and asked him... Oh, brother, where art thou? Oh, nice, nice. I will will finish this because this is a great story. (laughs) Sent the script to his Uncle Jack, a tobacco farmer who lived in Kentucky, and asked him to record the entire script. (laughs) Unknown to Clooney, in his recording... 
Uncle Jack, a devout Baptist, omitted all instances of the words hell and damn, which only became known to Clooney after the directors, the Coen brothers, pointed this out to him in the middle of a shooting. <laughs> Jack was also flown out for the premiere, and it was the first time he had ridden in a plane. Wow. That's kind of a neat story. I like that. Damn, we're in a tight spot. <laughs> I love that movie. It's so good. It's so good. Wow. Well, that was uh, that was just a run, boys. That was five to Fry. Oh, Jeez. wow. Two to James, which puts us Ouch. at Fry 79. And James, 79. Oh, tied oh. back up. Oh, right, because of the score difference. I forgot about math. points to go. I temporarily forgot about math. Well, what was it? It was like, we're still on independent drama, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> we bring you 2014, and we bring you Kumiko, the Treasure Hunter. Hmm. Fry, take it away. So, Kumiko, the Treasure Hunter, is based on a true story, as the opening frame of the movie will tell you. The <laughs> the names and locations have been changed out of respect for the dead. Nothing, everything else has been left the same. I have a very important question for the both of you. Yes. When a movie starts with based on a true story, does that do anything for your guys' absolutely of the nothing. film? Either really, way? No. Nothing. I may be the only person in the world who thinks less of a movie when it starts that way. Not that, That's not prejudicing, prejudicing me against this movie. I just think it's a silly thing to yeah, start with. I movie. do not give a shit. Yeah. So this movie, Kumiko the Treasure Hunter... Yeah. It stars Kumiko. She's a 29-year-old office lady. She lives alone with her pet rabbit, Bunzo. And... I thought you were going to say cats, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what's, and... the, what's the bunny's name, Fry? Bunzo. That's Bunzo! That's I a pretty cute Bunzo. name. Also, yes. in the credits, it says Bunzo the Rabbit was played by Bunzo. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that they included that. I mean, um, you can call a rabbit whatever. <laughs> it really doesn't have any concern about what, you're, what name you call it. <laughs> they do not. So she's an office lady in Tokyo. She's 29, which that's a little bit older than most office ladies are, which seems odd not in to my us. Experience. That be... That's perfectly average. Uh, J- Japan is horribly sexist, and oh, yeah, and okay. th- they have that Christmas thing where if you're not married by 25, then you're you're already a waste. Yeah. Oh wow. And That's she is rough. feeling that very hard from every direction in her life. Oh my god. Mm. So she has a pretty miserable job. Where our, our first indication of this is that while all the other office ladies are off chatting. She has nothing to do with them and is making tea for her boss. And we watch her almost spit into his tea, but then pull it back at the last second. (laughs) We get to see her interacting with her boss. Her boss is, I don't know if he's worse than average for a a Japanese boss like this, but he's not great. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I do think it's weird. It's interesting, the cultural difference, like, that somebody would make tea for the boss or coffee or whatever in the office. Like, if you did that here, somebody would be like, what are you, some kind of suck-up? Like, what are you doing? You it know? A, it, it is appears, expected over there, man. Yeah, it yeah. appears the job of an office lady is to do whatever stuff their boss wants done for them. So she has to, like, take care of his dry cleaning and bring him tea and buy a gift dry for Dry cleaning? Wife. Yeah. Um, wow, okay. And... and 
we see that she is just struggling in every aspect of life. And the movie, I want to say, really gets you into her mental state in a very, very interesting way. Any mm-hmm. of the sounds were, or any of the scenes where she's feeling like anxiety for being out in public or, or something going on, the sound will be just slightly distorted and louder than, than it should be. So right, that right. you feel that same level of discomfort she's feeling. And that that is played up in a really great way in, in one of the early scenes. Uh, so she was walking home. She runs into a friend who she hasn't seen for years. She clearly, friend is a strong term here. Uh, she clearly <laughs> doesn't really want to spend any time talking to this woman. But the woman is definitely... Is, is so forceful about it. Like, oh, Kumiko, I ran so far to catch up to you. It's like you didn't hear me at first. Anyway, <laughs> are you busy right now? Oh, you're busy right now. We should hang out soon. Give me your number. And she pulls oh, out her phone, and it's a flip phone. She pulls it out yeah. and like shows it to her to like type in her number, and Kumiko just stares at it. She does not react to this at all. And yeah. so in just one of the, the most awkward moments that I can imagine happening in real life, the quote-unquote friend takes the sword and pretends it's like a dagger and is like stabbing her in the in the chest with it and just does that a couple takes times. Takes the it's what, like, Fry? Uh, just stabbing her in the chest with her cell phone. Like, okay, you said sword. You did so say I sword. Got confused. Oh no, sorry. Uh, <laughs> this just got Freudian. No, no, she's she's pulled out her cell phone and she's like, yeah, jab, I understand. Jab, yeah, jab, I understand jab. the metaphor. Yeah, 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 yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, she takes out her penis and stabs her in the chest with it. She manifested a literal sword and it became a very different kind of movie. I <laughs> don't believe there are no swords in this movie as far no, as I, I figured, remember. Yeah. And so <laughs> she winds she winds up meeting this friend at a cafe the next day. And yeah. the friend has brought their child along and I don't have a lot of friends with children but I would be pissed off if any of them did this to me. She shows up. Kumiko's already there. Uh, the friend shows up with the child. Uh, mm. She sits down, introduces them, and is like, Oh, I need to go to the bathroom. Will you watch my kid for a minute? <laughs> and just leaves. And Kumiko just is, is freaking out. She's like looking at this kid who's not saying anything, but is staring at her. <laughs> and like the sounds her, yeah. are just getting louder and louder. And she bolts from the restaurant, <laughs> just leaving the kid at the table and just like, nope, I'm done. Bye. So things are, things are deteriorating for, for Kumiko. Uh, she also yeah. has a, I would say, not great relationship with her mother. Hmm. Her mother, she had, we see a couple phone calls with her mother and, and she's like, Hey, so did you ever get a promotion? Are you dating anybody? If you're not dating anybody, you should really move home. Are you going to move home yet? What? Why are you living out there when you could be living at home? Why don't you want to live at home with your mother? <laughs> I uh, assume that's a cultural thing. Very. Yeah. My parents were like, uh, my parents and I both agreed that leaving Get the, the house out. would be the best yeah. thing for me to do. So Kubiko has one outlet in life. It's that she has become fixated on the movie Fargo. I thought you were going to say it's the bunny, but that is, I would never in a million years have guessed that. That it, is not something I thought would it, happen. It should be noted at this point that Kim, that Kumiko is very obviously mentally ill. 
Yeah, oh, yes. like it's yeah, it's it sounds like she's having like panic attacks. Yeah, this stuff, isn't just this, this isn't just this lady's quirky. Like she is, she needs a lot of help. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and she's uh, spoiler alert, not going to get it. Um, <laughs> I thought perhaps that might. be This is not a movie where someone's like, "Hey, you should really see a doctor. Let me help you." And then she gets the help she needs and turns her life around. And it, it's it's not this movie. Uh, <laughs> so she has a, I, I guess you would say, obsession with the movie Fargo. She has yeah. watched the video cassette of it so many times that it breaks on her. She's got a, a notebook just filled with notes and sketches. Oh, wow. Because she believes the treasure that is buried in the movie Fargo is real. Oh, dear. Because okay, so <laughs> Fargo starts with that, that title card saying this is based mm-hmm. on a true story. Yeah. And she believed it very, very much. So she's got this obsession. She's like, all right, I've got to... I've got to figure out where this place is so that I can get the treasure and have a better life than the one I have now. She goes to the library to try to find out information about where Fargo is. <laughs> she does I this t- by finding... I can tell a, you one feature about it. It's very cold. <laughs> she does this by finding an atlas and attempting to steal the atlas from the library because it is not a book that can be checked out. And... It wasn't the most sophisticated theft. Yeah, she probably hadn't done a lot of that. She stood in line like she was going to check out for a second and then stuffed this big atlas, like this is not a small book, (laughs) into her coat and just bolts out the door, which of course sets off the the detectors and all that. That's an advanced library. (laughs) Is immediately apprehended by the security guard outside and marched back in. They had a security guard at the library? Japan. Okay. Have you seen? You've seen those T-shirts and bags, right? So the, the, there was that one prefectural museum where the cats kept trying to get in, or the cat kept trying to get in, and, oh, really? and it was a daily occurrence where the security guard had to shoo it back out. And it, it happened so often that they made T-shirts for the cat. <laughs> it's like it's like the, the, the logo for the prefectural museum was a security guard shooing a cat out. <laughs> That's awesome, Japan. So, so the security guard takes her back into one of the rooms. It's like, hey. Could you explain what's going on here? Could you maybe just take, make a photocopy of this page? You can't just steal yeah. the book because it it's a library book. It stays here. Yeah. And yeah. He's, he's just trying his level best to explain. And her response is to reach into her pocket and pull out all of the coins she has and offer them to the guard to keep the book. <laughs> and he's like... I, I can't let you do this, but she just explains, like, look, I found this treasure. I'm like a Spanish conquistador. I've heard of treasure in the Americas. I need this map to go get it. I just need one page. And so he opens the book to that page, carefully tears it out, folds it up, and gives it to her. <laughs> yeah, like, so So this would have been solved with a photocopy. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. A photocopy that I can only assume she does know how to make since she works in an office. And clearly uh, has the change for and clearly has the change for. But also, that wouldn't be a treasure map, would it? Fair enough. Instead, he gives her the piece of paper. He does keep the change she offered him. <laughs> and she runs off with the paper. And the next day at work, her, her boss is like, Hey, I need you to 
buy a gift for my wife. Here's the company credit card. Use this and uh, make sure it's something nice. I don't care what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I see where this is going. She doesn't buy a present for his wife. She does buy a plane ticket to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Perfect. (laughs) And the rest of this movie will take place in America, where increasingly confused people try to help her. She she gets off the plane and there's some people holding a sign saying like, "Hey, are you a tourist? You know, come in here and we'll help you out." And so she's like, "Okay." Goes in there and I'm never sure how good her command of English is supposed to be. Uh, right. I I don't think it it's really it, it's left up to your imagination how much of this she she understands. They show her where Fargo is on a map and also that it's not exactly close to Minneapolis. I, I will say, before Kumiko flies off to Minnesota, she does have one thing she has to take care of. Yeah. She can't just leave Bunzo in a cage in her apartment. Oh, don't tell him that part. So, well, I've already oh, started. Oh, no. Can't, can't bring it back now. Don't, uh, d- so d- she, don't tell him about Bunzo. So she has to find alternative lodging for Bunzo. And we'll leave oh. it Okay. And you're going to leave it at that? Okay. So yes. I assume it's pretty gruesome. Little Bunzo. No, Nothing it's not gruesome. It's the no, it's worst part of the movie. It's so sad. Bunzo was very cute. They got a very adorable rabbit for this. I got to I gotta be perfectly honest with you. This whole movie sounds pretty fucking sad. <laughs> Here's the thing. Fry and I were talking about that earlier. I did not think it was sad. I found it so mm. charming. But then we also realized that my gauge for these things is probably off. Yes, it is. I I wouldn't say it's off. I would say it's uniquely yours. Like sadness is a normal feeling, and I should feel this way all the time. Wasn't that a good movie when I cried the entire time? (laughs) It made me feel a very sad movie. (laughs) I I, no bones about it. So she takes care of Bunzo and then flies to Minnesota. She is immediately met by some people holding a sign that says tourist. And she's like, oh, maybe they can help me get to Fargo. (laughs) They must be here for me. They explain that Fargo is very far away from Minneapolis. Not even in the same state. (laughs) And then as they're like trying to explain this to her, they segue into, you know, I was on the wrong path for a while. But then I found my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, no. He has helped me stay on the right path. Oh, bummer. And they start yeah, ta- they talk about that them. for a bit, and then Kumiko just says, how go to Fargo? It, it is yeah. absolutely unclear if she has gathered any of the proselytizing they tried to do. Probably ineffective. The best part is they have proselytizers in Japan, too, just no one listens to them. Yeah. yeah. So she gets on a bus. The, the bus breaks down. <laughs> so she just wanders off. She's going to run into a couple of different people in in her journeys through Minnesota. Uh, <laughs> most, of, most of them will either not listen to her or not at oh, all I th- comprehend what I she's trying to do. I thought you were going to say they were either scarecrows or people going, oh. <laughs> There's some windmills, too, when she gets her horse. <laughs> Wait, is this Don Quixote? It is not Don Quixote. Oh, that no, been no. Kick ass. Wouldn't that have been kick ass? All right. That, um, would, that would shred. She gets hold yeah. of like a dirt bike and starts fighting silos. <laughs> a a dirt bike and a tent pole. <laughs> Damn, let's make Don Quixote. Uh, yeah, it's such a great story. You could do it, do it so many ways. 
So some people are going to try to help her, but she's she's just got to get to where the treasure's buried in Fargo. She took the scene in Fargo where he shows where it was it was buried. Yeah. And she traced over it on her TV onto a piece of paper and then she knitted that or uh sewed that into a piece of cloth so she has a map to carry with her. Take a fucking picture. <laughs> what is this? Okay, this is is this the mental illness piece I of don't, it? Or she's what's not going, making okay. good decisions. And yeah. I think the mental illness is absolutely Well, no, I mean, you, she's making bad decisions and she's she's doing them in a very unoptimized way, which bothers me honestly more than the bad decision. <laughs> well, <laughs> like here's what troubles me a lot. In the movie Fargo, the, the Coen brothers directed Fargo, the only thing that happens in Fargo is that's where... Uh, William H. Macy's character hires the hitman. Yeah. That's the only thing. Everything else happens in Minneapolis or Moose Lake. Yeah. It, it, yeah. As obsessively as Kumiko is supposed to have watched this movie, that's a big detail. Did, when she was watching the movie on her TV, did it have Japanese subtitles or dubs? It did not. So maybe she didn't understand exactly well, what was... Okay. Are you are possible. you sure? Because the copy of it we see definitely has Fargo written in katakana on it. It's not an American copy of the film. It's a Japanese oh, does it? one. Yeah. Um, well, that doesn't mean that the film itself is subtitled. It doesn't, but it I, It's not like the best quality indicator. movie. Yeah. Well, it, the, it mean, is the on VHS a VHS. The VHS is, is a worn out piece of trash. Oh, but right. She she's... winds up having to buy a DVD copy of it when the VHS breaks. I, I don't know why I'm diving Oh, that's right. I forgot so about the DVD just... copy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was just curious. But anyway, people keep trying to explain to her, like, hey, Fargo's fake. It's not a... And she's like, no, no, it's real. It's not fake. Yeah. And she cannot be deterred from this and just continues to press on against, you know, whenever she hits a roadblock, her response is kind of just walk away from it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's, it's her go-to move in a situation she can't resolve is just like well time to walk away from it and <laughs> well this is a problem i'm just gonna keep going <laughs> pretend this doesn't exist and i'm not going to tell you how the movie wraps up because i i think there's a lot of interesting things that happen there and i'm also curious to hear your take on it if you do wind up watching this okay interesting intriguing intriguing you have any Thank any questions that. about it i I might in a minute. I want to hear what Russ has to say first. Well, okay. I thought I was really surprised. I thought Fry was going because they both have the the true story trope. It's like yeah, Fargo yeah. has the true story trope and Kumiko has the true story trope. And I thought Fry was going to go more in depth with it because the quote unquote true story of Kumiko was the story of Takako Konishi, yeah, who was a Japanese national that traveled to America. And then was found dead. And it became an urban legend that she was seeking the treasure from Fargo. It ended up being like a confusing interaction she had had with someone. It was, was, from what I was reading, it was based off a misunderstanding by the Bismarck Sheriff's Department uh, officer. What a shocker. Yeah. Weren't up on their Japanese. I, I... Oh, there's that one bit. (laughs) There's the one bit probably where she, where where the sheriff takes her to the Chinese restaurant. The only Chinese (laughs) restaurant in town. (laughs) To like, it's like, this is not the same language. (laughs) This is mutually unintelligible. (laughs) Well, not only is it not the same language, but if you have a Chinese restaurant in town, there's a good chance that like the characters outside don't mean anything. And all the people who work there are (laughs) not from China. Not in Richmond, B.C., by God. I hate it. This is why I hate it when movies are like, this is based on a true story because you get curious and you look up the real story and you're like, 
So this was invented whole cloth, basically. Like, it's not really based on fucking anything. Yeah, I, the I truth, feel like it's based off the urban legend more than it's yeah. based off the true story. But that's well, a that's, real that, and urban that's legend. Invented, but that's, no, that's invented whole cloth by idiots. And what's so well, interesting is, people. like, the true story would make an equally compelling movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and I believe that movie has been made. Like, people made some documentaries about what really yeah, happened yeah, yeah. to Kakako Konishi. And that is but not very like much the proper dramatization. Movie. Yes. Right, right, right. Where you have Rico Kinkuchi playing it. Anyway, Russ, yeah, why don't you philosophize? Yeah, but so what urban legends do you remember from when you were a kid? Oh, God. I remember uh, my parents really believed this. That mm. if, you, if, if you flashed your lights at somebody in a yes. car, they yeah. would murder yeah. you as a yes. gang yes. initiation. Yes. I, I heard that one. I heard the razor blades and the candy... This was less of an urban legend and more of just a ghost story about the hook hand killer. My favorite was the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, yes. And I was incensed when I heard about this. It was like, the ocean and UFOs are eating ships. Why is no one doing anything about this? (laughs) And then, of course, you know, GPS became a thing and the Bermuda Triangle went away. My other one was names. Like that, I remember really vividly was everyone swearing that they had that they knew a guy who knew a guy that had a friend named Orange Jello and Lemon Jello. Oh, I've never heard that one. Do you remember that? I've, I've, I remember that one. Yeah. My dad swore up and down, and like my friends, it's it's like yeah, and it was always like African American kids where it's like yeah, it's like Orange Jello and Lemon Jello, you know, making fun of the atypical naming such as it was. And uh, no, so that's just that's just old fashioned racism. It is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's racism dressed up in an urban legend. But here's the fun part: as many people told me that we should run into people named Orange Jello every single fucking day. Yeah, yeah, it should be an extremely <laughs> common. Yeah. Yeah. And then come to find out, like Mangelo, Mangiello, and Mangello are all real last names. Mm. And in the '70s, there was a baseball player named Mark Lamangelo. And there was a singer named Peter Lamangelo. They were cousins. And then one tried oh. to kidnap the other. It was a really fun story. Oh, wow. What? But like... What, what? I did not think that was going to connect at the end. Is there a movie about this? <laughs> there is not, and there needs to be. It's a great story. All right, Hollywood, get on it. What's more likely, that you had a friend named Orange Jello, or you heard an Italian last name at one point and then just ran with it? Or that even more likely that your parents or grandparents yeah. or some person they knew heard that name and mangled it and then told you. Yeah. yeah. As the skeptic's mantra goes, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. But as silly as they are, it seems like urban legends might serve a purpose. And they might be kind of innate to humanity. They might be an evolutionary product. And they might be they- good at keeping us alive. No, they absolutely are. Like, think about Bigfoot for a second. There's no big hairy man in the in the forest, but it's not you hard to imagine. Right, like getting lost in the forest is a very bad idea. Yeah, yeah. There's a uh, there's a great story in, uh, that was published in the Atlantic called "The Strange Origins of Urban Legends" by Matthew Hudson that does a little bit of a deep dive on this. And uh, here's a good quote. Woman's butt implants explode while doing squats for an Instagram workout video. That headline appeared on a fake news website only to be heedlessly picked up by other media outlets, thereby initiating a brand new cringe-inducing urban legend. Yep. 
So when researchers analyzed 220 urban legends, they found that the stories were much more likely to mention hazards rather than benefits. Yeah, makes sense. Because believing a fake hazard is less harmful than failing to believe a real hazard. Yes. I, I was. I, I wonder if the the reasoning is slightly wrong there because if 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 someone tells you, hey, if you spend a dollar and buy these seven lottery numbers, you'll always get a win. They're never and like that. Do it. You'll you'll quickly learn that that's not the case. Mm. But if someone tells you, hey, if you if you shout fire at a restaurant at four eleven p.m. They'll arrest you, or I don't know, trying to come up with something. Fry, Fry, You're not going to do it. Let me break it down. Let me break it down into its simplest component, right? Because I, I, I think I think you're overthinking it. Um, so think about it like this: If you're hunting antelope in the tall grass, and you see the grass <laughs> behind you move, and it could be the wind, or it could be a fucking tiger, it's safer to believe it's a tiger, even if you're wrong, because this doesn't you're gonna sound like a real more situation. times. A- more no, this is where humans come from, man. You can buy meat at the grocery store. Why would I hunt an <laughs> antelope? We had evolution. Oh, you dumb. You know what I'm saying. Stop being but, an asshole. But but from an evolutionary standpoint, it's better to err on the side of being overcredulous about yes. threats. It's yeah, like sure. being yes. too safe is better than being not safe enough. Which is why all those parents believe kids are having parties where they put their dicks in different sized bottles and then they if shake them around. Heard, it's like, what are you talking about? Have you heard of the rainbow fentanyl? They're oh, the, yeah, the, yeah, that, they're making it look like rainbow colors so they'll think it's Skittles and they'll all die. Have you seen those For, videos where cops touch fentanyl and then like God. do the Harlem shake? The fucking <laughs> dumbest, the dumbest thing in the whole world. Oh Any, my God. I mean... This could get real political. That's stupid. Those people are stupid and they shouldn't have if, if your If your kid went to a party like that, I'd say, good job. <laughs> well done. You've got a cool... This calls for air guitar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> and indeed, the researchers reported test subjects found statements about loads of topics. So, uh, yeah. Dangerous dogs, German shepherds, pit bulls, LASIK surgery were all more believable when they mentioned risks like yes. mauling or surgical complications. And other research suggests that we may have an incentive not just to believe fearsome legends, but to pass them on. Because sharing information about threats makes you seem more reliable. When people in one study read two descriptions of the same product, one of which mentioned a threat, they rated the writer of the threatening description as more competent. Right. So it's like if we, and the specific example was if you hold the control keys during the installation of this software, it may damage your hard drive. Oh, like, that's not uh, going to do anything. But not really. No. That's very interesting. And so one theory of cultural transmission argues that stories, myths, and religious concepts are more likely to endure when they have enough familiar elements to feel plausible, but also have two to three counterintuitive elements. They're obviously fake, but it makes them memorable. Yeah. So it's like this story communicates a truth about a danger, and here's something that's going to make you remember it because it's so off the wall. Like one study it- analyzed 45 online versions of the Bloody Mary myth. You know, say her mir- say her name into a mirror three times. Mm-hmm. Sure. And found that the average number of counterintuitive elements was 2.36. So in <laughs> in this story, there's at least two things you can instantly discount as a lie. Now, in the case of the real-life 
Takako Konishi, she didn't come to America hunting for buried treasure. She came looking to commit suicide. She had just lost her job. She had broken up with her boyfriend. And she came to Minnesota specifically because she had happy memories there. But as we can see from Kumiko the Treasure Hunter, the fake story was more lurid than the real one. Yeah. Yeah. And often, urban legends and fake news circulate not because they're true, but just because we want them to be true. Maybe it's because they're sexy or they're scary or they're weird. And more often, they serve as examples to make people feel better about their own choices. And we want there to be magic in the world. We want to live in a fun place where unexpected things happen. But the bad news is that unexpected things are usually things like wars or car accidents or pandemics. And very seldom do we get to meet wizards who give us fetch quests. Yes. I would like to nerd out and do some armchair anthropology here real quick. So Bigfoot is stupid. The concept in its modern incarnation is extremely stupid and it's not a thing. But there was a time when humans were around along with other human-like species. And there were big, scary, hairy people who lived in the forest. Looking at you, homo antecessor. What's that? I said looking at you, homo antecessor. (laughs) And they were they were a lot like us, but it was probably very uncanny valley because they were not us. And it was probably quite scary. And remember, this is before we were completely integrated with Neanderthal. So we even looked we looked even more distinct than, than we do now, probably because it's just more genetic diversity afterwards. But like think if you think about it, it's like there is a cultural memory probably in every single culture. If you follow it back to its roots around the world of. Don't go into the woods or whatever the equivalent of the woods is, right? Don't go out in the dark, right? And don't don't talk to those people, right? Because those people are scary. And it's it's that's where monsters and the other comes from, right? Is monsters don't exist, but that I don't know. That stuff just fascinates me. Anyway, I'll shut up now. But I But just, isn't I, isn't breaking those cultural assumptions important part of building a global society breaking those cultural assumptions does not have anything to do with what i was talking about that's a separate topic no i think fry has a point there like like, i I, I don't disagree i I think you're both arguing the same thing in yeah i wasn't i'm not yeah the other still exists and it's it's like you you're more skilled at recognizing faces from your own phenotype right it's it's like <laughs> I joke with my better half where it's like all all white people look like Ethan Hawke. <laughs> well, all white men certainly. <laughs> but uh but no, like uh, Have you broken the news to her that you are not Ethan Hawke yet? No. Uh, she would oh, be she finds that, if she try. finds that out, I am yeah. fucking I won't, divorced. I won't tell her. He's done for. Yeah, let's not tell her. He would be done for. <laughs> she, she's looking at me incredulously right now. <laughs> It's a hell of a half a conversation to hear. Ethan Hawke's over here recording his podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I keep telling her the movie checks are coming soon. I don't know how long I can hold out. (laughs) It's fine. slow right now. (laughs) Do you like me in Glass Onion? (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe he was in that movie for five seconds. That was incredible. I told her I was going to the pub. (laughs) God. So, James, you've got a decision to make. Yeah, I do. I just want to say one last thing to close out that discussion, which is even if it hadn't been for those other human-like things, we still would have, you know, been shitty towards each other because it's just sort yeah. of in our nature. So, I'm not saying that would have We will, We will find a reason to be shitty to each yeah. other. Yeah. Brown yeah. eyes there's, or blue eyes. 
pretty good. We're, no, see, we're the people from this hill. The people from that hill, total shitheads. <laughs> like, My that's where it starts. was when I found out about Malta, how Malta is an island with eight streets on it, and they discriminate against people from different streets. That is yes, my favorite exactly. thing in history. Wow. That that Welcome to humanity. All right, sorry, we got distracted. I don't know, guys. This one sounds like a huge bummer, and I don't think I want to watch it. God damn it, I like this movie. Ugh. Disappointing. That means we've got to do another fucking independent drama. Ugh, gross. Was it, what was the rule? Is it when can you... Well, I don't have anything like a... queued up. Oh, okay. That's okay. Fair I'll enough. find something. I'm going to find something funny. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm sure we can find one. All right, so. since, since you're not going to watch it, we're going to talk about the ending of it. Russ, how did you yeah, interpret that ending? She's dead. She's very dead. Okay, yeah, yeah I, I interpreted it that way yeah. as well. No, she died of exposure. Yeah. So but, it, I was right. It is a bummer. Yeah. Anyway, I, I guess you can tell tell him that, you know, she leaves Bunzo on the subway. She does. <laughs> she tries to leave him in a park, and yeah. he won't hop away because... <laughs> He's not a wild rabbit. He's a pet rabbit. <laughs> she like puts him down, and she's like, "You're free. Go." She she leaves a go somewhere. And My favorite so bit is where she, she's feeding him ramen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she feeds him her ramen at one point that, with chopsticks. If you, if you own a bun bun, don't feed them ramen. And carrots are a treat. Do not feed them carrots every day. They the like sugar the stems. Will make them Give them the stems sick. from carrots. Also, don't well, put yeah, them on a subway greens. train by themselves. Also, yeah, don't abandon them on a subway. And they're not great pets. <laughs> really, there's, there's a scene after she dies of exposure where, uh, you know, you're, you're, you can interpret it however you want. She gets up, yeah. she finds the treasure, and also the bunny's there, and they're reunited. And you're welcome to kind of imagine a whole movie for Bunzo as far as how he <laughs> got from Tokyo to Minnesota. And I think that's an excellent movie that I would watch. Yeah, I mean, it would certainly be more heartwarming than dying alone in the cold, having visions of your rabbit, and feeling guilt. But, you know, you can't win them all. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> you definitely can't win them all. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a super bummer. Um, cool. Do you, What are you guys watching these days? Oh, man, I got one. Mm. Go, if go you haven't it. watched it, go watch the menu right now. I, I have yeah. heard that I am going. It's on my list. I'm going to watch. Go it. It in sounds really good. blind. It is. That's oof. Yeah. It's good. Yes. I, I finished the anime. My dress up, darling, uh, which was just <laughs> a delightful, delightful anime. Sure, uh, bud. Yeah. It, it, I'm not trying to sell it to you. I just enjoyed it. it no, I mean, um, I just it doesn't sound like the sort of thing that it would be appropriate to watch. But you know, it's you do you. You do you. It, it's not inappropriate to watch. But yeah, I don't think I've started anything new this this week. I you got uh, anything new, I, James? You started anything I think new? I, I think I've officially given up on Wednesday, which is a super bummer. I ah. just didn't. It's not a bad show, but it is not what I was hoping it would be. It's more of a it's more of a character study, maybe combined with high school drama. Which I was more hoping it would be they would. I think she's going to be the Wednesday you want her to be at the end, but I don't want to see that. That's not interesting. To me. TikTok sure oh. liked it. You know it's what? It's not bad. It's just you know not for me. what movie I rewatched this week that was, I had forgotten just how much I enjoyed this movie. What's that? Uh, Central Intelligence is, is the rock? such a delightful movie. With The Rock? I've never seen this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Am I thinking of the right we, movie? That's the one that has The Rock in it, right? Yeah, it's got Central The Rock and uh, Kevin Hart. Oh, that sounds familiar. Not good, but familiar. Let me see. 
It's so good. I think uh, if you haven't seen it, you shouldn't. And we should make it a podcast episode. Oh, well, maybe I won't. But you should yeah. verify for sure if you've actually seen it. because uh, I'm just looking at the cover. No, I have not seen it. <laughs> what the hell? I mean, well, I, I think I saw it on Netflix browsing, but I never, I never watched Big it. Goranson did the soundtrack? That's so funny. I assume, based on, based on the actors in this, I assume it is an action comedy. <laughs> you are correct. Well, well guessed. The Rock? Kevin Hart? Ah, oh, no. It is a it's, it is a very introspective character study. It's a period piece. I think it's like to be a direct adaptation of Shakespeare. <laughs> well, no, Kevin can, Hart and The Rock no, doing a actually, Merchant they Ivory would be film. Perfect, they would be perfect for Shakespeare, because... If you take Shakespeare and you take away some of the clever wordplay and you just go with what the story is, it's schlock. Yeah. Like, no, it's, no, no. That's they, what people mistake about Shakespeare. It is lowest common denominator. This yeah, is this yeah. is made for the plebes. I yeah, would exactly. I would absolutely watch The Rock in any Shakespearean production. I think it would be amazing. No, and I'm saying he would fit, and so would yeah. Kevin Hart because yeah. they can both do that kind of goofy, like you know, these people are, are all going to make the worst decisions ever. Yeah, yeah. Merchant yeah. of Venice, The Rock does Iago. Perfect. See, you can do that. <laughs> okay. Don't don't drive on the ice. It's dangerous to drive on ice. The ice <laughs> it's is gone, so, as far as I can tell. It's 70 degrees when you when, yeah. when we post this. Well, I, I think the ice is gone now, even. Maybe bridges. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's still a little ice in shady places. Try In the Midwest, they have a way to say that that combines be careful on the road and I love you. And it's look out for deer. So if you want to say look out for deer, you can just tell all the listeners to look out for deer. I don't hit those deer. Love the listeners. I just I want them to be safe. Well, I mean, as human beings. Oh, sure. I I love all of you. Drive directly over those deer. Look out for deers. (laughs) They don't feel feelings like you and I. Uh, Your car will feel it. (laughs) Okay, anyway, look out for deer. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Hey James Watch This. Have a great day, and don't drink bleach. Thank you for watching Hey... Or wait, fuck, I gotta do this. <laughs> I tried to put Thank too you many for in. watching us listen to Hey Jay. No, that's not right. <laughs> Shut up.